Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. If beauty was only skin deep, every photograph would reveal the same personality. We create portraits, an artistic expression that goes past the outer layer, beyond the first impressions, and into the abyss of one's defining essence. And that is a quote, I'm assuming from what I found on the internet, by my guest today, Carl Kaler, who is absolutely the master of creating portraits that send you to the abyss of one's defining effort. <laughs> so welcome, Carl. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Hello. I wouldn't say I'm the master. I'm a master. Maybe. A master. <laughs> so uh, I want to invite you, listener, to go to lucydumascoaching.com and... Lucy with an I, always, of course. And uh, you can check out what I'm up to with coaching. Uh, if you want to book a 20-minute call for any reason, ask me a question. Take advantage of my 40 years of being a part of this industry. I'm here for you. Okay, let me introduce you to the great and powerful Carl. <laughs> he is a master craftsman photographer, a CPP. He is an author and he has been teaching since 1996. I think I saw that number somewhere. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I remember when he was the new kid, and now he says he's the getting older photo guy who is starting over in business. Oh, I got to have ask him about this. He was a lab technician, then became a portrait photographer, and he's been lucky, which not luck. Of course, but he says lucky in the world of competitive imagery because he's won a pile of awards and he loves to share what he's learned. So, hello, Carl. Thanks for being on my show again. It's been a while. Hello. Yes, it has been. And I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. And I was looking forward to this all weekend while we were watching it snow outside. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a blanket in my lap, hoping my little wall heater in my living room will get some heat coming into this little <laughs> conference room and you're buried under a pile of snow, right? Yeah, it's we're getting there. Cold and, yeah. So yeah. Um, just in a nutshell, how did you get started in photography? You said you were a lab technician. So maybe how did that happen? Well, actually, um, I was an athlete in high school and ate, drink, slept, breathe, wrestling. And our uh, wrestling coach was also the yearbook advisor and the photo instructor at our high school. And long story short, but uh, one day we were messing around in practice and uh, probably doing things you probably shouldn't have been doing. And um, <laughs> when the coaches came up and we were all lined up there and he said, uh, uh, who started this? And Pretty soon I found myself the only one standing there and everyone else took a step backwards <laughs> and I just volunteered to be on the yearbook staff. So, <laughs> but it was, it was a really good thing. Uh, my aunt and uncle were also hobbyist uh, photographers and 
uh, a printer. So I, I got started actually in the darkroom in high school and photographing life events, the high school students for the yearbook and Pulaski High School, the high school I, I was in, is the only high school in the country uh, nationwide that produces the actual community paper, not the school paper, the actual community paper. Uh, so how <laughs> so, many kids in the school? Um, about 1,200 total. Not quite. About, oh. well, back then, it was about 1,000. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Um, so, it, it, yeah, in a very small town, we're a community of, at the time, about 1,200 to 1,400 people uh, in town. But it's a very large conference or district because it was all ag agriculture. Mm. So some kids spent an hour a day on the bus every morning and every oh. night because uh, it was a some long drives to, from edge to edge in our in our district. So, uh, well, so I was the editor of my yearbook, mm -hmm. and um, do do you remember Phil Cheris, Mister Cheris? I do. Yes. Well, so the moral of this story that I'm going to tell now is we all start somewhere. So mm -hmm. you started in your book. I didn't photograph in your book, but it developed so much of my visual, not, you know, does yeah. whatever our synapses in our brains and layout and design. Sure. Up until my senior year, when I was the editor, Phil Cheris, Cheris Studios did our yeah. yearbook. Oh my. They were your book <laughs> photographer. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a story about that. And it's, but give me one second. Okay, hold on. I'm um, going to pause everyone. So don't go away. Go. Okay, we're back. And I we're am back. recording again. Um, yeah. Darn customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need That's them. That's right. Yeah. We need those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was saying that the great and powerful Phil Cheris, who Phil, Phil kind Cheris. of really launched the luxury studio portrait business mm -hmm. getting thousands and thousands of dollars per image yes. started in your book and we couldn't afford him my year so we had okay. this very not good studio that did our yearbook after being oh. spoiled with phil terrace so okay so you had a, a thought yeah when i was doing an internship the studio was doing an internship with he was very into PPA and ASP. And uh, I think at the time he might've even been the ASP president. I don't remember if it, exactly, but he knew a lot of photographers up, you know, across the country and, and Philip was one of them. And so when he was uh, out in California, he, he's like, I got to stop in and see the studio. And so he was getting a tour. And as he walked by, he's noticed somebody, working on a, a big negative remember those things negatives mm -hmm. remember mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, yeah uh working on a big negative and he's like well, what's he doing there and the person was actually with an exacto knife cutting out the eyes from one negative <laughs> and replacing them on another negative from the same family they were doing a, an eye swap a head swap mm -hmm. back before digital you know back and we've done i've done that before in the dark room way back when we, we actually did head swaps in the darkroom customly, and it was a pain. But to actually cut out the negative and replace eyes, and then they were artworking it all to blend together <laughs> afterwards. And yeah, I just sure. at that point, I'm like, okay, there's people that 
way different levels in the world, not <laughs> just in the photography, but in the process, what it takes to get to that. <laughs> right. Pretty impressive. Exactly. Um, this is so this had me think about the first time I saw the ability to do head swaps mm -hmm. in digital before any of us had really gone digital. Um sure. and it was at West Coast School. Um and the person that was showing us, it was a picture of a Filipino family, but the bride was a, a little petite, blonde, you know, fair-skinned, beautiful yeah. woman. And they took grandpa's face and put it on her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, the world, as we yeah. know, has changed. So, it's changed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we know from whence you came, which is yeah. great. So yeah. I know that your expertise, or I mean, I'm sure you have expertise in a zillion things, but what you focus on when you're teaching is about lighting, about composition, about emotion. And like, those are three distinct things that all blend together to make a great portrait. Um, now, the show is called The Profitable Photographer. So why do you think it's important to master lighting, to understand and use composition, and to be able to have emotion in pictures? Because if you don't have lighting that looks three-dimensional, if you don't have composition that creates a balance and interest, if you don't have an emotional appeal to an image and a story along that uh, emotion, you're no different than everybody else with the iPhone right now. Mm -hmm. And everybody's a photographer. And now you don't even have to be a photographer. Uh, here we got, we were, we we're just talking about cutting out parts of negatives. Um, and now we've evolved into AI. You don't even need a camera anymore. People are creating images with artificial intelligence. Um, and trust me, the kids that aren't even as old as the nearly half the years of experience that we have in this industry are creating imagery that's absolutely ridiculous crazy, um, and they're not even using a camera to do it. Right. So if you don't set yourself apart with artistic power and uh, lighting composition and emotion or storytelling is all part of that, you're you're obsolete. You're, you're not. Gonna, there's no profit to be made because you won't be creating anything for anybody. Yeah, which is I, sad. Yeah, yeah. I love that setting ourselves apart with artistic power. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people worry that they're what's the word? Not fraud. Um, anyway, just faking it. Not good enough. Mm -hmm. Really shouldn't. Right. The word will come. Uh, no, I don't know. Do you know the word I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the thought that, oh gosh, am I, am I good enough to to sell this? Am I good enough to be saleable, um, or am I just like anybody else? But I'm just trying to fake it. No, I mean it. This is like any other profession um, or any other sport. You need to practice, and the more we practice, uh, the sharper we stay. And whether any of us feel that we perfected anything that we're doing, um, you kind of are kidding yourself because 
perfecting something or not, or understanding something or not, um, still gets dull if you don't work on it every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think about a musician. If um, you have a, a, a phenomenal guitar player and yet they sit there on the guitar and they don't touch it for 10 years, I guarantee you <laughs> they're not in the same state of mind or the same sound that they had um, structurally, physically, melodically mm-hmm. uh, at all as when they were doing it on an everyday basis. And right. we're no different. You got you to gotta keep our skills sharpened. So practice and, and do your best every day and hopefully tomorrow's going to be better than, better than what we did today. Right. And that's all we can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that, well, so where my mind goes after that is that when we are practicing every day and we've got that feeling that we have artistic power, it gives us confidence. That um, Even if the truth is your work is just like all the other professional or semi-professionals in your area, having the confidence to move forward and sell your work and feel good about what you're doing Mm -hmm. gives you an edge because that people can feel if you're not secure in what you're doing. Do you have thoughts on that? Definitely. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Um, I mean, I know a lot of very average photographers that Mm -hmm. are doing really well in business um but they can sell themselves it's not they're selling their work they're selling themselves um they're selling the concept they're selling their confidence they're selling then the product uh, as well but it's the experience and the relationship that you have from photographer to guest that really does make a big difference but for you yourself in your own heart if you want to set yourself Part and become better. Really think about composition, light, emotion, um, and get those to levels that are uh, very high in scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm thinking about all the people we probably know whose work is outstanding. Who has have has <laughs> whatever the right uh, I've had has has has. <laughs> Okay, Has we know <laughs> tons of people that are doing the most incredible award-winning work that are broke. So, you know, to me, it all goes hand in hand. We don't just magically do great work and get paid for it, but we don't have to do the best photography ever in the history of ever to get paid well. Is that do you know right. Absolutely. I'm talking about? It actually breaks mm-hmm. my heart when mm-hmm. I see photographers who I look up to with their work and having a private conversation where they're struggling financially. So let's see. Anything else on that before I move into? Oh, we could go for days on it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you were the new kid on the block, one of the things I appreciated was that you were teaching a lot of actual natural light photography. Am I correct in yes. remembering it that way? That absolutely when you did yeah. studio portraits. You didn't bring reflect the reflectors and 
grims and lights and flash and strobes and tripods and all of that. Uh, how come? Um, well, because there's times when we do need to bring in uh, five lights and scrims and reflectors and panels and everything else. Um, but there's also a time that we really need to learn how to see light uh, and how the light works within nature as well. And then that will help us in the studio with five lights and scrims and reflectors and everything. Um, so when when I say, when we talk about natural light photography, natural light portraits, I'm still looking for the same kind of light patterns that we would have produced in the studio with a main light and a fill light and accent lights and background lights and hair lights and everything else. It's just that we're finding it in a natural state. So um, by starting that way with coaching or, or sharing, uh, it's it's making people understand the math of it all. So, I mean, I always, you know, I use a lot of analogies and um I remember back in, in grade school, we had a, a math teacher that he he disliked calculators. He, you know, he said, it's a calculator is going to help you get to an answer faster, but you have to understand how to get to the answer first before the calculator will help you at all. Um, so he gave us an example one day. He We had, back then it was chalkboards, not whiteboards, but chalkboards yeah. all around, you know, three walls of the, of the classroom. And he had two people go up to each uh, uh, chalkboard and start writing columns of four-digit numbers, just four-digit numbers, columns of them. And we filled three chalkboards with that. And while he was out of the room, and when we came into the when he came into the room, he said, "Okay, everybody, when I walk in the room, get out your calculators and add up all the numbers." And he walked in, and he's like. He took a piece of paper, he taped it on the bottom of the last little column, and he wrote a number in chalk. And we were like typing and looking and typing and looking. And uh -huh. um, what we found out, first of all, was that we had, I think, 20-some people in the class, and we had 18 different answers. Uh, but in checking the math, he actually had it right, and he did it faster than all of us on the computer or on the calculators. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a good analogy. Just adding. Yep, just adding. And uh, he said, see, you know, light, and, and that's why I, I always put things into perspective of how we learned them. Um, and lighting is part of that, in that there's math and there's art to lighting. Mm. There's math because we need to understand exposures and how uh, uh, equal exposures work and, you know, what's going to create what we're looking for as far as speed or depth of field or whatever um that's the math of it but then there's an art of it which gives us shape and form and texture uh which sets the subject apart but then there's an added little fun thing is that you know it's also part of composition and so light can lead you to something to a subject or to a uh, place beyond the subject it can help separate uh, without even touching the subject um so light is a really important thing but we have to understand the math and the art of it um, to fully harness it, which makes this a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Because it's difficult. Yes. So the maths scared me when I first yeah. started doing photography. 
and really was one of the reasons I didn't get a good camera for years until I was on a weekend date with someone that had just purchased a Canon AE-1 and it took care of some of the math issues automatically. So I could just Mm -hmm. pick up that camera and get something so superior to my, I think, brownie Hawkeye or I might have had the the little skinny, skinny ones by that time. Okay. Yeah. Um, But then out of necessity, I learned, uh, I learned, and (laughs) I also discovered there's only three things we need to look at and all those extra bells and whistles on cameras can be so confusing, but mm-hmm. f-stop, shutter speed, and ISO. That's yeah, really the math. Or, or back then the ASA, right? <laughs> yes, I never knew why it was ASA or ISO, but American standard, and then no, it's international standard. Uh-huh. Whatever they're calling it, but um, yeah, it's things have changed over the years. And, yeah, yeah. So something that hasn't changed, but I have a feeling a lot of people. Even working professionals don't understand what a stop of light is. <laughs> that comes with the equivalent exposures, absolutely. So understanding the math of it so that you can change quickly in a creative manner is huge. But um, without drawing it out for people, I mean, if you're at F8 at 125th of a second, you're F11 at one eightieth of a second, or one sixtieth of a second, I guess, is in back in the old days. Uh, it's the same exposure; it's a correct exposure, but it's just going to look different because of depth of field or stopping power of of speed. So, mm-hmm. but if you uh, if you draw out the chart, you can or memorize it. You just know that okay. If I change to one quarter of a second, then what is it going to do? And my aperture and uh, you gain and you lose you give and take uh, so if you gain more things you know more depth of field or things in focus from beginning to end you're going to lose out in speed uh, so shutter speed so you got to hold still or whatever you're photographing has to hold still so that um, in that correct exposure anything moving yourself included uh, is going to be a blur uh, so it's just a trade-off and allows you to be creative. Now, that being said, uh, I just discovered something this morning and I found it kind of interesting um, scrolling through Facebook. And I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but somebody, uh, a software designer who's also a photographer, uh, came up with what what he's called Arsenal, uh, photographic arsenal. It's a device that he's hooking to his hot shoe, it looks like. On his camera and say that again. It's called the Arsenal. Uh-huh. Um, and, and now they have the Arsenal 2. And that's what I, I saw for the ad this morning. But basically, what it looks like is what our cameras like your AE1 did on aperture priority or shutter priority. It kind of gave us an average of the exposure and did it all for us with you know the math, the f-stops and shutter speeds. Well, what the arsenal looks like is doing is going a couple steps beyond that and in integrating some artificial intelligence to take the best of all worlds of what we would have done with our raw file uh, in an HDR or a focus stack. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's allowing you to basically on the fly 
get the vision you want um, instantly. And so, for example, if you are photographing um, a waterfall through the woods, okay, so you have light coming from the waterfall and you see all the, the great big trees in the foreground and it's dark underneath the trees, but you want to see the waterfall, but you also want to see light kind of coming in. You still want to see detail in the bark in the trees. This is taking that all those that information of the raw files and it's merging it into like an, a high def or HDR um, type of scene and making that the one shot in all in one frame. <laughs> Mm. So, you know, it, it's taken all things I would have done customly in the darkroom using the information that was on a raw file, um, but it's kind of collaborating there right on, and you can use your, your phone. Um, it, so somehow it's it's docking with your iPhone or your, your, your device, handheld device, and you're seeing it real time do its thing. <laughs> so it's an app or it's a thing? It's you... an actual hardware device. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so yeah, look it up. It, it caught my eye and it, it created some interest in me right now um, to try to, to check it out. Uh, what interested me was it allows you to do layered panoramics. So we've all done panoramics on our phone, you know, where you start in left and you just let it scan across mm-hmm. and you stop, right? And it gives you that panoramic. Well, this camera with the arsenal on it Looking on your screen, it allows you to scan left to right and then go up another, you know, vertical, Mm. scan right to left, go up, scan left to right. So you're actually filling in that whole spot of what you wanted, um, taller and wider than what we could get in our focal length. Mm. So and you're seeing it happen real time on, on your phone. So you're watching it fill in the blocks. As you're scanning this thing back and forth, um, it's kind of an interesting piece of new technology. Uh, again, our world is changing very rapidly. It, it is, uh, <laughs> and I, I still, uh, I think you're going to agree that all of this is great, but we need to understand stops of light, ISO, yes. shutter speed, and f-stop as the core and then all the bells and whistles can be fun or they can enhance or shortcut what we're doing. You know, the, when uh, HDR came out, people that do real estate photography didn't have to bring 14 lights anymore and spend an hour in each room setting everything up right so that there would be detail in the uh, out out the window outside yep mm-hmm. and so but they needed to understand lighting and composition and where to set the camera and what lens to yep. use and what aperture to set so are you are you i think you're on board with that thought right oh absolutely because th- that was what i kept thinking as i was looking at it is that um for a beginner this might be a really cool toy for them but in the hands of somebody that already understands uh, f-stop shutter speeds, everything else, man, you could go a long way with this. Um, but you got to, like I said, just back like the calculator, you have to have an understanding of what it's doing before you can utilize it to the best of its ability. Right. If you go to a scene that's a panorama 
but there's a lot of shadow and mm -hmm. this and sky and you do this is still going to look like a silhouetted dark weird mess yep. so understanding and seeing light is that thing that makes all the difference the in difference. the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how does a person, so what do you mean by seeing light and maybe how does somebody start to see light? Um, go to the museum uh, and what, look at paintings. If you, depending on what you like to photograph, I'm a portrait photographer, so I photograph people. So I like to look at paintings and how did a painter create on a flat piece of canvas or acrylic or whatever, a three-dimensional looking person. Well, they did that with light and shadow. And now, okay, why did they give us a Rembrandt light? Why did they give us a split light? Why did they give us a short light? Um, there's reasons for it. It wasn't just because, it was partly because of what facial features that person might've had to help make them look their best, just like in photography now. Part of our job, other than telling stories, is making people look their best, right? Mm -hmm. So by looking at their face and analyzing a little bit, you can determine what kind of light, what source of light, what kind of quality of light um, might be best for that person's situation and still tell the same story within that scene. But when you look at paintings, you start understanding how they're making people stand out from the background. Um, what helps create that three-dimensional look of each person. And that's what I'm looking for in lighting and photography. Um, it's no different. It's it's the same concepts. But um, I'm wanting even more so to understand that there's an emotional attachment to each form of light. So, for example, mm. if our face is lit so that our eyes, nose, and mouth are in light and our cheek goes off in a shadow, so short lighting, um, that's a happy light. Mm -hmm. because light is on their face and we can smile there and it looks nice. It's, it's, it's joyous. If our face, our mask, our face goes in the shadow, that's more subtle. That's more, um, you know, uh, low key type of expression. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really want to be smiling out of a shadow. A split light is more intense. We definitely won't want to smile there. In fact, that is more of an intense look on your face or, you know, a very determined look. Uh, Rembrandt is a very regal, um and somewhat stern as well definitely mm -hmm. not a smile kind of thing mm -hmm. so depending on what story you're telling and the personality of the person at that given moment you can help tell the story with the lighting pattern that you choose to create your three-dimensional feel of that person right i'm thinking of um okay so what i heard you say was it's not just about learning how to light a face like when i'm teaching how to find light, how to light. I'm looking for the basics, which is putting a catch light in the eye. If you've got it at 10 or two, then the mask of the face is going to be nicely lit. Um, maybe we think about lighting ratios. So that's yeah. like, that's like a Dick and Jane book. I don't know if they still use those in kindergarten. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hope so. They were pretty, they were cool books. But then, then there's, you know, we've got how many crayons in that crayon box with the with with the sharpener on the side? Some of them have a lot. But <laughs> what I'm hearing is then as you begin to study and learn how light can affect 
and communicate emotion, mm -hmm. then you've got the full 96 crayons or. Well, you got more um, to get to the 256 crayon box. Then we're going to take, take it even a step further. Yeah. Because light can even not just uh, help with your emotion. It can also uh, mess with your minds, uh, how mm -hmm. our mind sees a piece of paper and help create depth and dimension. So um, things that are light in a photograph will always appear to be coming towards you in a flat piece of paper. Anything that's in shadow appears to be going away or receding from you. Mm -hmm. So if you use that concept and how you uh, situate things, compose things on your, on your image, that will help create more depth and dimension too. And basically when we're, when it's said and done, and I create an image, I am telling every viewer without verbally saying it, but I, they know I'm, I'm making them look where I want them to look mm -hmm. without telling them. Uh, and they have to, because everything we're doing brings their brain and their eyes there, uh, whether it's things that are leading them with lines or color or light or balance. Um, there's all these different things that they're going to see first, second, third, uh, and that's extremely purposeful. That's that's the whole point. Um, we're we're all artists, you know. And and the thing is, I'm sure you've heard this before, and, and I'm sure you, everybody in your listening audience uh, has heard this before. That somebody told them told each of us that, wow, you have a good eye, mm -hmm. um, right? You've heard that before. We have a good eye, and oh yeah, they're right. We do. But I think that it's important, and I, I say this a lot. But it's true in my mind, my opinion, that we do see things differently. Um, we also need to understand that not everybody around us, our family and spouses included, they do not see things the same way we do. Mm -hmm. um, some things are very obvious and easy for us to see because we're very visual people. Um, other things, because we have to understand that not everybody sees things exactly the way we do quickly, it's important for us to know how they see it and to make sure that we place things and light things and um, create so that it's obvious to them. So they don't have to um, question an image. They just know what we want them to see. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it totally does. And I'm thinking about like the uses of light to flatter people. Yeah, uh, you know, that is sort of the when you learn just that, then as you're posing people thinking about how you light them to feature what they're going to enjoy looking at by directing your eye there and direct them away from the parts that that maybe they're not wanting to see. Like exactly like, you know, I'm not crazy about uh this uh, i i need to get my um computer higher and then then you know all this i mean it's it's not there's not that much i mean guys have it made we just grow a beard that's all yeah <laughs> if you're listening and not watching i'm pointing to my chin which actually isn't that bad today <laughs> under my chin but um yeah so being mindful like sometimes people are like I don't think that you should try to um, retouch or do anything to make somebody look slimmer. You know, 
that's not that's that's too judgmental. But as artists, I love what you just said. When we can pose light, and I would dare say do some retouching in a way that brings our eye to the parts that we want the viewer to see, that's our job as portrait artists. Yes. Yeah. So analogy of that, um, years ago, I was just trying to get my wrap my head around this whole lighting thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was just out of college. Actually, I think I was still in college. And I got talking to uh, a commercial photographer. And I said, gosh, I just don't get it. Maybe maybe I should be a commercial photographer because I'm just not understanding this light. And he kind of laughed at me. And he, said, <laughs> uh, he said, no, it's no different. You got to still got to learn light. But he said, okay, think about it this way. In commercial and advertising, um, we put light on what our clients want to see or want to show off to, about their product. If we they don't want us to see something, we put dark on it or let it go into darkness. If we want them to see it a little bit, but not as much as certain parts, we put less light on it, um, but not too much dark. So mm-hmm. light the things that you want people to go to. And portrait-wise is not really any different. You know, right. we light the things that are going to set us apart. We pose so that our imperfections aren't as obvious um, as sometimes it can be on a photograph. So. Right, right. Now, I just um, interviewed, oh, what's her name? Alicia. And she teaches people how to photograph Black people. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about the fact that the curves that I might want you to hide if I were a black woman that was curvy and confident, I might want you to feature some of those things. So mm-hmm. there's culture as well. There's I, I photographed a woman from Brazil and I reduced her behind. This is way before uh, it, people are actually getting implants. <laughs> yeah. And she said, I really like this picture, but my behind, my behind is too small. And Oh, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. knowing what people love about themselves and what they might not, that is also part of portraiture. Very much so. I want to go back just a sec because I was mm-hmm. thinking about the learning to see light. Mm-hmm. And I had taken a week-long class. Uh, I can't remember his name. Guy from Canada. It was at West Coast School. You teach at West Coast School. and. Texas mm-hmm. school and all those. Um, and a big part of it was about learning to see. We did things like finding the alphabet in oh, yeah. nature yeah. and lots of different yeah. things. And and those synapses in my brain that week totally shifted. And mm-hmm. when I was, um, from then on, it almost was like, Um, something that kind of can drive me crazy because I can't not see the way that light falls on people's faces or, and and now that I retouched on Photoshop, I don't know if you do this, but I mentally retouch people sometimes in my mind, or I think, Oh, I hope they took their chin to the right a little or the left a little or, (laughs) and the, 
And the one moment that I remember realizing something has changed as I was on vacation in Utah, we were driving through high country late in the, in the afternoon. And, and I go, oh, 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 oh. And my boyfriend thought like we were about to crash or a UFO was going to land <laughs> or something. And I go, look at the light on those cows. And yeah. it, so it's a, it's a great pursuit to do the things that help you see what's out there. I love what you said about, um, sure, we can take lights and we can set it up exactly, but the power of being able to just be in an environment and see where the light's coming from and know how to move people, tip people, lower them, you know, make them farther away from that window or closer, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. uh, that is artistic power. I like that word. It is. Now, that being said, since we saw each other last, a lot of my teaching now is actually, I still start with natural light because I want people to learn to see it. Um, but instead of just stopping there, we actually do dive in pretty deep into uh, uh, strobe and off-camera flash mm -hmm. and location, trying okay. to balance things. And people are like, oh my gosh, when did you start doing this? I'm like, guys, I've always known how to use strobes. I just didn't teach it because I wanted people to learn the basics in, in understanding natural light first. But now, man, it's too easy. We have such awesome equipment. Uh, I'm using Godox equipment by Molite now, and um, it's so portable, so simple, um, and powerful enough that we can we can do more things on more locations when people are looking for that kind of thing. So again, like you're starting to mention before, understanding what people are looking for and how they like themselves and the locations they like themselves, or whether they want a big behind or not. Uh, you know being able to have more variety or to be able to transform scenes uh, with uh, strobes and, and artificial uh, lights gives us a lot more latitude when we're right. out on location. So, so right. I'm now teaching that quite a bit Good. and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Good. So what I'm hearing is that you help people become decent natural light photographers and not mm -hmm. so I've got air quotes around yeah. that phrase because usually that term kind of means I don't really know how to light so I'm just going to take people outside and hope it's overcast <laughs> yeah well and that's the thing so natural light photography you, you kind of just hit on it it's gotten a bad rap lately because the term is misunderstood and misused uh, natural light does not mean creating a correct exposure outside where we happen to be. You should understand correct exposure anyhow. You still need to know how to create shape and form and texture on a person. That's what natural light portrait work is all about, not just taking a picture outside and creating correct exposure. So, um, yeah, I mean, every Saturday or Sunday, I can see, you know, 30 or 40 people running around the park chasing kids and taking pictures. and right in the middle of, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, I know they're going to look terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know it's not anything different than what that mom or dad could have done on their own. And so here 
full circle to where we started this conversation. What's going to set yourself apart? Not doing that. Um, right. Because they could do that themselves. Right. Honestly. Learn how to light. Right. And we all start somewhere. I'm sure there's people mm-hmm. listening that are like, well, that's all I know how to do. And at the same time, if that's you, darling listener, you're listening to podcasts. So that tells me that you want to keep upgrading your skills and Absolutely. learning, learning to see and you know, taking classes, those week-long workshops like at Texas School and in San Diego. West Coast. And the East Coast, there must be some. There is. There's a couple. Mars, NEEP, and Florida School are all still, or not NEEP, they're gone. Um, East Coast, uh, Mars, Florida, New York are still there. So you get to spend a week with a teacher like Carl, who is going to, teach you principles, teach you skills, let you practice, have fun, talk a lot, make new friends, um, you know, party hard at night. (laughs) It's just, I think that going to West Coast school, maybe 12 to 15 times in my career is a huge part of how I managed to make a good living and be really proud of my photography and be confident because the last thing I wanted to do was learn studio lighting. And when I took Frank Crickio, did oh you ever think Frank? Yeah. He uses like, mm-hmm. I don't know, 45 lights. No, yeah. Exaggerating, but he definitely. He's very technical. <laughs> definitely uses like seven and yeah. may he rest in peace. Um, and, but even though I didn't, ever want to set up seven lights if I didn't have to, man, that that impacted me and seeing where he brought what he calls the angel kiss right to this yeah. little spot and how that makes such a huge difference. And I can go outside and I can find those, um, not the, necessarily the seven, but having that skill of understanding direction of light, that's always what I yeah. And teaching as the basic when someone's outside is where is the actual light coming from? And if it's an overcast day and you're in the middle of a field, where's it coming from, Carl? Right above you. And so what gets lit? Everything. <laughs> the <Right> forehead, <laughs> the nose, the cheeks and the chin. And what doesn't get lit is the eyes and the mouth and yep you know the shape so yeah and we love light don't we (laughs) we do light is good we do (laughs) well i'm so glad that you raised your hand when i was like i need some more great people to interview who do you know and you're like i'll I'll come back so yeah yeah you were when i when i first launched this um podcast four and a half years ago i begged you at west coast school <laughs> on a the little vendor night yeah. can you be on my show and you're like of course i'd love to so thank you for supporting me sure. when i first had this venture and um yeah we could probably just talk every week and there'd be good stuff coming out <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that's the fun part about photography is that, you know, everybody has a little bit different viewpoint. 
on thought process, and we can learn a lot so much from each, you know, from everybody. Um, so even beginners have a lot to teach that they might not mm. even realize. Oh, I like that. So how would you answer someone? Mm-hmm. This was a little discussion in a Facebook group where someone was saying, I'm thinking of dropping my PPA membership um, because I think it's just an organization for beginners. Yeah, that was one of my students. <laughs> oh, it was on. Uh, yeah. it, it was a good discussion. But So how do you yeah. answer that? Um, you know what? It's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, everything in life uh, becomes more important and more beneficial to you the more you put into it. Mm. Um, if you're just sitting back and waiting for a magazine every month, would I pay dues? Not a chance. But, you know, if you're utilizing the network and utilizing the just the people you know because of your membership and what people are discovering, that new arsenal thing I just saw today, um, maybe somebody else can look at it and say, hey, I can I have a new ways of using this that I'd never even dreamed of before or that I never even thought of before. Um, it's just we're always bouncing ideas off each other. And then you got the insurances and you got the uh, degree programs and um, business ideas and business ideas and business ideas yeah. <laughs> uh, to help you out. <laughs> um, you know, there's just there's just so much opportunity still in PPA. Is it for beginners? Absolutely. Uh, and that's what people are. I mean, that's what they're trying to lend themselves or brand themselves to, because let's face it, there's a lot more. Think about it in business. There's a lot more people out there just starting than there are that are seasoned right now. A right. lot more. A lot. So more. as a business, it's silly for them to go after the seasoned people. We should already be there. Right. It shouldn't be something they have to go after. You know, I, like I said, I, I'm sure I can learn something from somebody that's brand new. And I'm sure that they'd appreciate what we have to give them from being in this industry for right. a very long time. So, well, and I love the thing. opportunities that come when we teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The teacher's page in my yearbook, there was a poem that I can't quote the whole thing. A poem picked by me <laughs> that started, it was like about teachers. And it said, each day I learn more than I teach. So to me, that opportunity to be contributing and sharing, like when I first started um, teaching to get my master's and my craftsman, my topic was on children. And somebody said, think about something that you know that maybe everybody doesn't know and write your program around that. And I realized as every kid's Aunt Lucy that I understood the stages of childhood. I understood the eight basic needs that we needed to take care of before a session to make it go well. And I also have this love for children that I wanted to highlight and bring to the world. uh, Because back in the day, photographs of children were not, it just wasn't that popular. They didn't do that well in competition. People weren't seeing art potential with kids. And so just the effort of of writing that program and 
teaching it and refining it and getting clearer and clearer and clearer, my work got better. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I had fun opportunities like I taught in in Baja, Mexico. And, it, you know, got to fly to Florida. And so, yeah, that I love what you said, that what we put into it uh, impacts the value for us. That makes a lot of sense to me. So. And, and it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, yeah. I understand um, some people are just, they have different priorities right now. And, and that's, that's cool too. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean we can't be friends anymore. Not at all. No. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, everyone's in a different place sometimes. And chances are in a few years, that person might, or those people might be back and part of it again. So right. or uh, they might change careers or they might retire. They might. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It could happen. We could retire someday. Yeah. but still we could no we could <laughs> yeah. and like i pretty much retired from photographing when i became an active coach and then uh doing this podcast i i hadn't planned on it it's just that what you fo- focus on is what grows um and i don't regret that i just it's a it's a new dimension of being in this incredible industry that is just so rich with growth and friendship and challenges and reason to get up in the morning, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, I have two questions. One, how do people get in touch with you? Is there anything you're up to that people would want to be in the know? So, you know, how do people stay in touch and have the opportunity to learn and grow with you? Uh, carrier pigeons are always good, you know, send them up this way. <laughs> Skywriting. I'm fond of that. <laughs> yeah, that works too. I, my my website is a easy place, uh, photoimagesbycarl.net or on Facebook. Uh, I'm just Carl Kaler on Facebook. I have a business page as well, but I'm trying to keep photographers off that. Man, social media is a whole different world, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And just a sidebar for that, by the way. If you're a photographer and, and you're trying to increase your business, uh, don't ask all your photographer friends to go and like your, your page or follow you on your page because yeah. you're actually hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. It's just so hard to get away from that. But I do coaching things on occasion. I stopped doing it for quite a while while I relocated here. I'll reopen that um, sometime in uh, mid-February, most likely. So if you want to kind of keep tabs on what I'm up to just check back periodically on my website or check out my Facebook page and you'll see uh, progress bars going on there. Okay, great. And so last question, mm-hmm. what either have you not shared that you might think, Oh, I wish I had mentioned that. Or what thought do you want to leave all of us with as we say adieu for today? Adieu. We are all teachers and we are all students. We as teachers are not smarter than our students. We just possibly learned our skill sets before our students. Mm. And as teachers, we should share what we do, share what we know, so that in this case, our case, the industry of photography becomes higher level. Um, And then we'll all thrive from it. So Um, Photography as a business, photography as an art, 
be open to it and okay. share it so that we, we can all stay in this wonderful industry. I love it. So everyone stay tuned for my quick wrap up. And Carl, it's just been a great opportunity to hang out with you on this Tuesday yeah. morning for me, Tuesday afternoon for you. See, uh, I got to hang out in San Diego. That's right. That's right. And it's pretty nice. During a snowstorm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Carl. It's just. It's You're welcome. Great. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. So I'm back for my little wrap up. Before I do that, I just want to invite you to book a 20 minute call from lucydumascoaching.com. And I currently have five spots for a free longer coaching strategy session. So if we have a chat, and I think it's a good time for you to uh, have one of those spots, that's a that's how we can get connected and possibly I can support you in a much deeper way. So anyway, isn't Carl just such a nice man and such a good teacher? I loved how he talked about the importance of light and composition and emotion in the images we create and that it helps us stand apart. I loved his his term artistic power so when we practice 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 and we learn the skills we learn to see light we learn to understand art and all of those things our work improves and our confidence improves so i love that and then when he talked about how photography is is art slash shape form and texture and math, that I think is a great insight and one of the things that can set us apart when we understand the math, because then we can use it to our advantage. And uh, let's see, we talked about the value of being a part of organizations, and maybe it's not for everybody, but what we put into it is what we get out of it. And so many other good things. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. You have been listening to the Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.